We're going to look at Romans chapter 8, verse 18. Romans 8, 18. One verse from Paul, and then we're going to go back in a little bit and look at verses 18 through 25 of Romans chapter 8. Paul says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing to the glory that is to be revealed to us. So you see, that's his subject here at the beginning of, of this section of Scripture is the sufferings of the present time. And Paul acknowledges there are sufferings. He didn't have to tell us that. We already know that. And there might be some suffering in your life. And it might have you discouraged. And if so, then I'd like you to see that God has a message for you uh, in these verses of Scripture. By the way, uh, there are two different Greek words for time in the New Testament. Uh, T-I-M-E, same word, English word. But in the Greek, uh, one of those words is chronos. And it means the time, like time on your watch or time on the clock or time on the calendar. And then the other word is kairos, and it means season of time. And that's what Paul is talking about here. That's the Greek word he uses, the sufferings of this present season. So he's not talking about the sufferings that he was facing in some week or month of his life, but he was looking at all of life in this season in which we live and all the sufferings total, the sufferings of this present time. But also... Uh, it indicates that Paul was also looking at the sufferings of this present time in contrast to the sufferings that are in the future. And there are sufferings that are in the future. And the Bible tells us about suffering in the future. And that suffering that comes as a result of not knowing the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. So understand this clearly now. If you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if the Spirit of Christ lives in you, then your sufferings are limited to this present time. But if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then there are sufferings in the future. There are sufferings in a future time where you'll be forever separated from God. God wants you to know that because He loves you. He cares about you. He cares about you if you are enduring sufferings in the present. But for the person who knows the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior. We have this incredible assurance that God loves us. We saw in the verses last week where Paul talked about the Spirit of Christ who lives in us and the Spirit bearing witness with our spirit that we belong to Him, that we are the sons of God, and that we have received the adoption as sons and that we belong to Him. And because of that, He loves us. And that nothing, he ends the chapter, chapter 8, by saying, nothing can separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus our Lord. That is true of those who belong to him. But sometimes, honestly, suffering may make us feel that we're separated. The devil may make us feel that we're separated. Sometimes people say, well, you know, your suffering is, a, is, is because you're, you have sin in your life. Have you ever had anyone to tell you that? Suffering is because you have sin in your life. That's not so. Suffering is because of sin. Sin came into the world and death came with it. Paul tells us that in this book of Romans. Suffering is a result of sin. Suffering is related to sin, but not your sin personally. Suffering is a part of life in this world. So for the, for the believer, suffering is limited to the present time. But the Bible tells us, this is the good news, that in the future, there's going to be a glorious announcement. 
And that announcement comes in the book of Revelation, chapter 21, verses 3 and 4, where John said, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he will dwell among them, and they shall be his people, and he himself will be among them. And he, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will no longer be any death. There will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain, for the first things have passed away. So understand, there's sufferings in the present time. And for the believer, they're limited to the present time. But for the unbeliever, Jesus said, there will be weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth in a place where the worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched, where people will suffer everlasting torment away from the presence of the Lord. So Paul sets up so many contrasts in the book of Romans. He said, you're either in Adam or you're in Christ. You're in, in, in the flesh or you're in the spirit. You endure sufferings in the present time and in the future or you only endure sufferings in the present because you know Christ. God knows and he cares about your suffering. So look again at verse 18, just verse 18. He's, Paul said, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing to the glory that is to be revealed to us. So he didn't. He didn't say anything at all about suffering. We did, but he didn't. He immediately turns his attention to what is the first major point of the message this morning, and that is the glory that is to be revealed to us. The he says that in the verse, look at it, the glory that is to be revealed to us. What is glory? Well, I, I think it'd be safe to say we have no idea. Paul didn't know. You say, wait a minute, didn't Paul experience Christ's glory on the road to Damascus when he was struck down by that bright light from heaven? Well, yes, in a, in a way he did. And what about Moses? Didn't, didn't the Bible say that, that Moses experienced the glory of God, saw God face to face, and then came down with his own face glowing with the glory of God? Well, yes, the Bible says that. But in, in that same book of Exodus where Moses had that experience, God told Moses, no man can see my face and live. And Paul said, uh, he told Timothy, he was writing about God, and he said, he is the blessed and only sovereign the King of kings and the Lord of lords, who alone possesses immortality and dwells in unapproachable light, whom no man has seen or can see. Talking about God. Glory is the face of God, the, the fullness of God. Uh, and Paul said, the, it's the power of God and the presence of God. And, and Paul said, talking about glory, he said, I has not seen Ear has not heard, neither hath it entered into the heart of man all that God has prepared for those who love him. So Paul said, when I'm talking about the sufferings of the present time, I don't even want us to think about those in comparison to the glory that is to be revealed to us. And what is that glory? Well, Paul would say, uh, in keeping with that same verse, he might take the words of our hymn and say, Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of this earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. But Paul also talked about another glory. Let's pick up now in verse 18. I want to read verse 18 again, but this time we'll read all the way through 
verse 25. Remember, Paul said, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time, this present season, are not worth comparing to the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation, and by the way, let me stop there and say this word creation, might you might read a different word as we go down through the scripture. If you have the King James Version, it might read creature, so that you're thinking about something besides creation. But the Greek word is the same every time, and it means creation. Not only does it mean creation, it means the sum aggregate of creation, everything that has been created. So think about that. That's going to enlarge your perspective a little bit. Verse 19, for the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we are saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it. We wait for it. We wait for it with patience. He talks about creation waiting. So creation is waiting. First, Paul talked about the glory that is to be revealed to us. And then number two, he talks about the glory that is to be revealed in us, in us. We, we talked about this book of Romans and we said that when Adam sinned, something catastrophic happened in our world. First, it was spiritual in, in nature. The, the spiritual infrastructure, if you can think about it in that way, the spiritual infrastructure that framed the soul of man collapsed in absolute ruin. Now, just exactly how, we don't know. Just exactly what the soul was like before then, we don't know. All we know of it now is the ruins. Imagine, we've, we've compared it this way. Imagine the World Trade Centers before 9-11 happened, before the planes crashed into them and they came tumbling down. Suppose someone, not knowing what they were like before, was walking among the rubble of the World Trade Centers and said, man, these things are glorious. And yet they're walking among the rubble. They did not know what it was like before. We do not know what our world was like before. We do not know what we were like before. Something happened. Something happened. That's what the Bible tells us. The whole creation went into the bondage of corruption. Paul says so here in these verses. So as beautiful as our world is to us, as beautiful as our universe is, as it's revealed by these great telescopes, what we see as glory is, is in some sense a ruin. It's under the bondage of corruption. We're walking in the ruins of what was. Now let me let you look at these verses again, beginning in verse 19. For the creation waits. The creation waits 
with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. And he goes on talking about how we groan for that, waiting for that right now. But what are we waiting for? Well, Paul says we're waiting for something that's going to we're, that's going to happen, that's going to change all this. It's going to really, it's going to reveal who we are. You know, right now we walk around in the world, if you're a believer, what's the difference between a believer and an unbeliever? How do you tell the difference? I mean, how do you tell the difference between a Christian and a non-Christian? Do you look at the bottom of their feet? Do they have something on the bottom of their feet? Do they have a little mark on their forehead? Is there something? There's no difference. You can't tell it. You can't see it. And I know sometimes we don't live any different and we should live different. But if we have hope, and we have in our spirit the witness of the spirit and we know we belong to God let me tell you something Paul says one day that's going to show up in a big way one day that's going to be revealed in a big way there's going to be glory revealed to us but there's also going to be glory revealed in us and the creation itself will participate will participate in that moment, in the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Think about it. When he talks about the creation groaning, the word that he uses is stretching its neck, waiting and groaning. The creation is stretching its neck and standing on tiptoe, waiting, longing, so that with every orbit around the sun, the earth pants for glory. Every time the earth goes around the sun, it says, are we there yet? Like children in a car. Are we there yet? Is, are, is it this trip? Are we going to be there yet? The earth is waiting for that moment. The creation, the whole of creation, the sum aggregate of creation is waiting for something, something unique, something that's going to happen. But he also says it's not just creation. If you are a believer, that same groaning is in you. That same longing is in you. It ought to be. And if you read the rest of this chapter, you don't have to go very far where it's not just you that's, you that's groaning and it's not just creation that's groaning, but it says the Spirit, the Holy Spirit himself is groaning and he groans for us. We'll look at that another time. Now, Paul, look at verse 23. Let's look at verse 23. Not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. And let's, we're going to talk about the redemption of our bodies under the third point, and that is, first we said, the glory that will be revealed to us. In other words, the glory that our eyes will see. Then second, the glory that will be revealed in us. And then third, the glorious thing that will happen to us. When Paul talks about the redemption of our bodies, what is he talking about? How do we describe that? What does he mean by that? Well, one of the ways we can find that out is by looking at some other verses where he mentions that. One of those places is in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 16 through 18. Most people, when they see this, they, they focus on the return of Christ or the rapture of the church, and that's all fine if you focus on that. But Paul is talking about also the redemption of the body. So let me show you this. Let me read this to you. He says, for the Lord himself, not he's not going to send somebody, listen now. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven 
with a cry of command or with a shout and with the voice of an archangel and with the sound of the trumpet of God. And what's going to happen? The dead in Christ. That means a person who's died believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. They've died and they've been buried. Where are they buried? Doesn't matter where they're buried. Doesn't matter where. Doesn't matter if they weren't buried. If they died believing in the Lord Jesus Christ, the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are left, we who are alive and remain, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. He said, if you get a little discouraged, he said, comfort one another with those words. He says the same thing in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, beginning in verse 51, in a little different way. He says, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. He says, In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. He connects, you see how it's connected? 1 Thessalonians, the trumpet will sound. 1 Corinthians 15, the trumpet will sound. Creation is longing for this, waiting for this, waiting for this moment. This is the moment creation is waiting for. The redemption of our bodies. Listen, he says, the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we shall be changed for this perishable body must put on the imperishable And this mortal body must put on immortality when the perishable puts on the imperishable and mortal puts on immortality. Then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? Did you know that in that moment, what Paul is saying is that all of creation, all of it, what is all of it? We don't know. Nobody knows. Nobody knows how far our universe goes. We don't don't have a clue about how many millions of light years across the universe. But all of creation, all of creation will go from groaning to glory. All of it. Did you know that in the book of Job, Job said that at the dawn of creation, think of it, when God created everything before the fall, think of it. You think the universe is glorious now? You think it's glorious to look up at the night sky? You think it's glorious to see the sunset? Job said, at the dawn of creation, the stars sang together and the sons of God shouted for joy. What a day that will be when again the pillars of creation will dance and the sons of God Shout for joy as the morning stars sing together and God declares, Behold, I am making all things new. No longer will anything be cursed, but the throne of God and the Lamb will be in it and His servants will worship Him. They will see His face. His name will be on their foreheads. Night will be no more. They won't need any night because He is going to be with them and they will reign forever and ever. Creation at that moment released from the bondage of corruption into the freedom of the glory of God. What's that going to be like? How can we describe it? Eye hath not seen, ear hath not heard, neither hath it entered into the heart of man all that God has prepared for those that love Him. We don't have a clue. We don't know how to describe glory, 
much less the glory revealed to us. The glory that will be revealed in us or the glorious thing that will happen to us. We just know that everything broken is going to be fixed. Everything broken in me is going to be fixed. Everything broken on you is going to be fixed. Everything broken about our universe is going to be fixed in some glorious moment that, that our God works by His own command when the shout is given and the trumpet blows and the dead in Christ rise. God doesn't just want to save you, your soul. Don't think that. That's not the concept of salvation in the New Testament. When He saved you, he saved your spirit, soul, and body. I like the story of Joseph because when Joseph died, Joseph told his people, he said, look, they're going to embalm me like they do here in Egypt. But he said, don't leave me in Egypt. He said, when I die, you get my bones. Take my bones. Take them to the promised land. Did you know 400 years later when they... When the exodus happened, one of the things they did was they got the bones of Joseph. Did you know that? Did you know that for 40 years they carried the bones of Joseph through the wilderness until finally when they got to the promised land, Joseph was buried somewhere in the promised land. That's where Joseph's bones are today. Do you know that when our Lord returns... Those bones, those dry bones will live because they belong to him. Did you know that your bones will belong to him because you belong to him? That's a glorious moment. Paul said, in this hope we were saved. He said, that's what salvation is all about. Because salvation tells us that the sufferings of this present time is just temporary. There's something beyond this time. And we have a hope. If you've put your hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I hope you have. Do you have such a hope? Are you looking forward to the day the trumpet sounds and Jesus returns? Are you terrified about that day? You say, I don't know what might happen to me. Well, Paul says here in the book of Romans, you need to know that God wants you to know that you can trust him and you don't have to worry about anything else. Because nothing will ever separate you from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let's pray.